Well, hey, good morning, church family. What is up? I hope you are doing well. I have missed you guys. Uh, I've been here, but Pastor Jay has preached the last three weeks, and uh, it's been an incredible time just uh, being fed by my pastor and your pastor as well. And uh, we've been just headfirst, full speed ahead into this series called Follow Me, where we've been diving into the book of James. And before we get in today, we're gonna we're gonna just jump right in. But um, I do have uh, just kind of this this pastoral uh, burden uh, on my heart that I wanted to share with you guys. And it's nothing it's nothing massive. Nothing's happened. Um, but I don't, I don't know if it comes from a place of conviction or from conversations that I've had with people. But I just want to challenge you guys for a minute as one of your pastors to. As you watch this, as you jump on, whether you're online, whether you're going back and watching it later, whether you miss church uh, and couldn't make it in person, I'm not going into all of those details, but it's easy for us to, to, to do church, if you will, rather than to be engaged and active and to be the church. And what I'm talking about is, you know, you go to church and, and you're going to do a four-week series on this, and then they go to a four-week series on this. And I just want you to hear from me, from my heart. These are not just uh, things that we just throw in place and say, okay, we're going to do a series on this. We're going to do a series on this. We, we, we actively and, and consistently, we seek the Lord and we pray and we ask God, like, what do our people need? What do I need? What do... Uh, our, our staff and all of our leaders need what does Seven Cities Church need? And so I say that to say, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you, I'm, I'm urging you, begging you, if you will, to really dive into this series. Like this is something that we really felt that God had us, uh, had for our church, a season that we're in as a church. Like we really felt like this is where we were supposed to go the direction of the teaching, the series, the book of James, this aspect of what it looks like to truly follow Jesus. And so my, my plead, my urge is that you wouldn't just view this as another series. You wouldn't just view this as something that you do on a Sunday morning as part of your routine, but you would allow God to speak through myself and Pastor Jay and whoever else is up here communicating and teaching God's Word. You would allow that to, to speak into your life, to challenge you, to, 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 to lead you to a place where you assess and you reflect and you analyze and you search your own heart and you ask, what is it that I can do? What are the things that I need to do in regards to the content, the message, the teaching that you hear that will push me to become more like Christ? Our, our mission statement here at Seven Cities Church is to guide people to life in Christ. And that's what you find as you follow Him, as you pursue Him. You find life and you find it abundantly. And so I just wanted to share that. Again, I'm not trying to manipulate or like, I, I just, there was something that's been on my heart this week as we've uh, had several conversations with our team and Pastor Jay and I and people in our church. And I just want to challenge you, man. This is, this is a massive, massive topic. Uh, and it will change the trajectory, trajectory of your life if you will sell out, like completely surrender to follow Him. And so uh, I'm excited about today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this is week four, or week five, actually, of our series, but week four, diving into content. And I've titled today's message, It's a Good Thing. It's a Good Thing. And I can't wait 
to dive into this. It may not be what you think it is, but I can tell you it's a good thing. And so we're going to jump right in. We're just going to look at three verses today. James chapter 1, verses 16, 17, and 18. And so let's go ahead and look at them and let's dive in. James chapter 1, verse 16 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And then verse 18, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so I just got two simple things for you today. I believe this message is simple, but I believe that um, there's some depth to it as well, and it will challenge you and make you look at things maybe in a, in a different perspective. And so, number one, if you want to write this down, I would encourage you to God does not lie. God does not lie. Somebody say, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that God does not lie. Whether you believe that or not, God does not lie. And I want to challenge you on this today. Again, I think for, for many of us, we say, oh yeah, I know that. God's a man of his word. He's faithful. And like, But there are times where we go through things in life where that begins to, to maybe change a little bit. And so what we've done throughout the, the book of chapter 1, or in the book of James, in chapter 1, is Pastor Jay has showed you this slide right here, and I'm going to show it to you. Uh, we're going to probably show it to you a lot through this series, because I think it's so important to be reminded every time we get ready to read the context of what was actually taking place so that we can understand the writings and the teachings even better. And so James is the author, hence the name. Uh, James for the book, and the audience is Jewish Christians who have been scattered due to persecution, all right? Don't miss that. They're being pressed out and sent out to different places because things were happening in their life that did not seem to be very good. And the type of scripture, meaning what does it mean to us, is that there's principles here. James is writing and speaking to a very specific audience here. And so we can't necessarily take that word for word and say, okay, he's writing that to us. Although there are so many connections and correlations to what we face in life today, we can only pull out the principles of what James is teaching to this very specific audience. And so James, we, we, we've seen throughout the, the, the first chapter, Pastor Jay has taught us, uh, man, just three incredible messages through the teachings of James where, where he's talked a lot about trials and circumstances. And he's saying, listen, James is teaching us and I'm teaching you, Pastor Jay was, uh, I want you to count it all joy. When you go through something, I want you to count it all joy and rejoice in that because it's producing something, it's doing something, it's perfecting your faith. I don't want you to be double-minded. I want you to be so focused on me God, and stay, stay locked in to, to what I'm doing in your life. I want you to give all of yourself to me. I want you to give every part of me. I want you to surrender. I want you to deny self. And all of these things are happening in, in regards to persecution that is leading many people. And if we were to pull the principle out and look at it in our life, when we face things like that, it leads us to not want to do those things. It leads us to not want to rejoice in the middle of trials. It leads us to not want to count it all joy in the face of persecution. It leads us to be double-minded where we think one way about something, but yet something happens, and so now we're thinking 
another way and we're straddling this fence and we don't want to give everything over because we like to hold on to this, but yet you can have that. And it goes on. And so James, he's been talking because again, that's what was happening. The Jewish Christians were being persecuted. They're being pressed out. And so he's speaking right to where they are in life. And he does no different in the next three verses. He's talking still about the things that they're facing, but what he does is he kind of flips the coin over. He kind of he takes it and says, look, I've been telling you all about these things. Count it joy. Give yourself away. Don't be double-minded. Rejoice in all of this, but let me show you a different side of it, and that's what I want to show you today, but hey, listen, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Here we go. Let's look at that verse Verse 16 in the first part of 17 again, it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So it's obvious that James is writing to people who had been and were being deceived at that moment. Because he's telling them, he's giving them this warning, don't be deceived. And anytime we see a word like this, and we see multiple variations of this throughout Scripture, don't be deceived, stay on guard, be alert, watch out. We see these warnings all throughout Scripture. And that's exactly what it is. It's a warning. And that warning is for us to pay attention to. Like we've got to open our eyes and say, all right, hold on, what's happening? Because James is saying, listen, if you don't pay attention, if you're not alert, if you're not on guard, if you don't watch out, you're going to be deceived and it's going to come in out of nowhere and it's going to pull you away and you won't even really know what happened. And so he's saying, I know you're facing things. I know you're going through trials. I know you're going through hard times, but I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to stay alert and stay focused on what is actually happening. But here's what I believe was happening. And I believe this is why James is saying this. I believe that the people, the Jewish Christians who were being persecuted and scattered out because of what was happening around them, things that didn't seem to be very good, they began to be get, uh, they, they got deceived by the enemy and they began to think differently about God. In the context of our point, God does not lie. I believe they were looking at certain aspects of their life and they were believing that God was a liar. That God was lying. And what was happening was they were being deceived. Let me, let me bring this to life a little bit more and hopefully connect some dots for you if you're not quite with me. We do this in life. We go through things. We go through trials. We go through valleys, storms, whatever description you want to use. Basically, when you are facing something that does not seem good, it doesn't look good, it doesn't feel good, and you wish it never happened. We face those things all the time. And what happens is the enemy deceives us while we're facing them and we began to say things like this. And if you haven't said it, you've probably thought it. And if you haven't thought it, at the very least, you've heard somebody say it to you. But I believe if you're honest, you've thought it or said it yourself. God, if you're so good, why is this happening to me? God, God if you love me so much, why would you allow me to go through this? 
God, if you care about me and all the details of my life, I've been trying to be faithful and obedient. Why don't you take all of this away? God, if you're so strong and mighty, like, why? God, why? And this is what the enemy does. We face things. We go through hard times. We go through trials. We face things that don't seem good. And the enemy begins to deceive us, to make us believe that God is not who he said he was. And it's a lie. And the lie is not from God. The lie is from hell. It's from the enemy. And he's deceiving you and I to make you believe that God isn't who he said he was. And that doesn't just happen in the New Testament, in the book of James. It doesn't just happen in our life. We actually can look back at the very beginning of Scripture and we see this very thing happening. Look at Genesis chapter 3. We all know, hopefully, if you don't, it's okay. I'm going to teach it to you today. What happens in Genesis 3? It's the fall of man. It's where sin entered the world. And it starts out in the very first verse of chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty. He was a deceiver than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, here we go, did God actually say? He's making Eve believe that God is lying and what he said was not true. Did God actually say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it or you will die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Here we go, deceiving again. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he Eight. Eve was deceived. She was placed in this, this environment. She was placed in this situation where she saw something that she wanted. But God had said something to her about that thing that she wanted. And the enemy began to creep in. And he went to deceive her to make her believe that what God said was actually not true. Basically that God was a liar. And he deceived her so much that she gave into that. And we know the result of that decision. I just want you to hear this morning, church family, that God can not lie. If he said it, it will happen. If he made a promise, it's yes and amen. He is firm and a foundation that we can stand on. He is stable and steady. He is faithful. He is able to be trusted. He is consistent. He is someone who when he says it, you can cash it in because it is the truth. And so often we believe those things when things are good. But when things aren't good in our eyes, we become deceived. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that God doesn't lie. But here's what I want you to hear even more importantly. It's a good thing for the trial that you're facing. 
it's a good thing for the trial that you're facing. As we think about that verse again, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It's easy to look at God when things are great, when life is good and blessings are flowing and everything from our eyes and our human mind and perspective, we say, boy, this is good, and I know that God is good, and all the time He's good. Look at all of this. Hallelujah. Right? But what about when things aren't? Is it still good then? What about when things are crumbling? Relationships are broken. Finances are in the tank. You're late on your water bill, your mortgage. Your wife had an affair. Husband had an affair. Your children have rebelled against you. A diagnosis that you received. Like, is it good then? I'm going to tell you, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because we serve a God who is faithful and his word is true and he is a God of order and a God of purpose and everything that is happening in your life is for a reason and a purpose and it's a good thing. But it's so hard to see. It's so hard to see. And when we're in the middle of that, the enemy comes in to deceive us just as hard as he can to make us double-minded to entice us and lure us as we reflect on the last couple weeks. It's a good thing. You see, a couple months ago, starting in May, uh, May the 21st actually to be exact, my wife's birthday is the 22nd. We went away on a camping trip, but um, we knew we, we sometimes will camp on the weekends and then we'll pack up really early on a Sunday morning because obviously we have church and uh, Saturday evening, we were camping and we said to ourselves, hey, why don't we just go ahead and pack up? There's really nothing else we're going to do tonight. Kids are about to shower and go to bed and we're just going to leave early in the morning. Why don't we just go ahead and do it now? And I said, all right, let's do it. And so we packed up and we headed home and I got ready to back the trailer into the driveway and the kids and the wife went ahead and went in the house. And right after they went in, they come running out and they were like, the house is flooded. The house is flooded. And I'm like, What? And they're like, the whole downstairs is just filled with water. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so unhook the trailer. I go in the house and sure enough, there's water all in the house. There was a, a toilet upstairs that, that basically leaked through the ceiling. Water was everywhere. And so I'm like, okay, God, here we go. Like, I appreciate this. And so we, we start that process and we get everything torn out the next day, at least the parts that were wet. And they bring in these fans and dehumidifiers and all this stuff and um, and so then we start this, this battle. I, I use the word battle. I probably shouldn't. If you're an insurance guy, I do love you guys. Uh, but we start a battle with the insurance guy. We had to get an adjuster out. You know how that process goes. I'm not going to waste your time. And, um, we, we went through this. We finally, after several, uh, several, I guess, direct conversations, uh, our claim got approved. They sent, you know, a check in the mail to get most of the floor replaced. And, so then we went on this journey to, uh, to find a floor guy. But in between that process, on May 21st, the house flooded. May 31st, we got an email. Uh, and if you've been along on our journey uh, here at Seven Cities Church, you've heard me share this part of my story. But uh, we got an email about a little girl who's seven weeks old, special needs, who the parents 
uh, didn't feel like they were equipped to raise and, and ask if we wanted to adopt. And there was a couple week process for that. And we ended up bringing this little girl home into our dismantled house. And, uh, and so we, we were, we're introducing this little girl to, to you guys, to our church family, to our, obviously my family and my kids. And um, on day five, um, the family felt as if they, they, they were equipped to raise their child as they should be. And so we ended up taking uh, her back to her, her mom and her dad. And, and it, it was, it's now just this beautiful story. But at the time, it, was, it wasn't beautiful to me. It hurt very bad. And, uh, and we struggled through that. And I was, I was doubting and questioning God through that. I was mad at God. And so anyways, the story continues. We're trying to find a floor guy. Can't find a floor guy. We got three that I called consecutive weeks. They never show up. Uh, fourth one comes, he measures everything, says, I'll send you a quote three weeks later. Never got a quote. We finally got another floor guy. And, um, and so he comes in and measures, we order everything. And then finally we we're getting close to being able to put our floors in. And so, um, I start ripping a little bit more floor out and start working on that process. And, uh, he comes and starts laying it in sections because he kind of worked me in and couldn't do the whole thing. And in consecutive days, he just did a little bit at a time. And, um, through that process, we got another email about another sweet little girl who was up for adoption. And, uh, we had basically 24 hours to make a decision. And, uh, I don't know if I've shared this story online. I know I've shared it in person, but um, this happened uh, basically a month ago, and so this little girl is very, very medically fragile, complex, had so many issues, and they basically sent us this long list, and we're like, hey, you guys want to adopt? We need to know tomorrow, and so we went through this overwhelming process of trying to figure out if we were going to say yes or no. We ended up saying yes. We bring her into our home, and uh, and then four days later, we end up in the hospital for five days, and um, she has a really, really weak uh, respiratory system. And so, um, uh, imagine that a weak respiratory system coming into a house on a concrete slab with wet floors and ripped up everything and just this middle of a mess. And so through that process, Kristen would go to the hospital for, uh, for the day. And then I would stay at all night and through the morning. And so I would come home and get my work done for church. And I had to nurse a little bit, uh, at my other job. And then in, in my, Free time, I would rip up more floor because I knew he was getting piece by piece. And so we ripped this one part out and there was water on the slab, on the concrete slab. And I'm like, what in the world is that? And as I'm ripping this floor out, I, I flip the wood over and I look on the back side and it's completely black, meaning it was covered in mold. And I'm like, what in the world? And this hallway, it, it went right beside my bath, uh, one of the bathrooms downstairs where my 14 year old takes a shower. I don't know if you have teenagers or not, but uh, mine, he, when he showers, he loves to wash the floor as well for whatever reason, meaning he puts a ton of water on the floor, right? And so I was like, okay, maybe water got under the transition from the tile in the bathroom to the wood floor and we'll just pull it all up and we'll be okay. And so we got a concrete slab there. The next morning I wake up, I start doing a load of laundry. I go upstairs, I come back down and there's water on the floor again. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, it's my washing machine. And so my washing machine was a, was a front loader and it had a big shelf over the top. And so they were kind of tucked back so you couldn't see anything behind it. And so I pull the washer out and I run another cycle and sure enough, the washer shot. I mean, there's water pouring out in the bottom and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, come on, Lord, like what else is going to happen? Well, he told me the dishwasher broke. 
And so now we down a washer, we're down uh, a dishwasher, the house is a mess. I got a child that I just brought into my home that I absolutely really know nothing about who's in the hospital. We're going through all of these things and I'm like, God, what is going on? Like, are you serious right now? Like, we're trying to be faithful. We're trying to be obedient. Look at the last three months. Look at this adoption journey that's happening. My house is flooded. I got mold in my house. I got a washing machine down and the enemy just started pounding on me, man. And I'm like, God, I'm, I'm thinking this, and I'm just being vulnerable, like, maybe you're not as faithful as you say you are. How can you allow these things to happen when I feel like I'm sacrificing so much to serve you? I stepped out two years ago to plant a church in the middle of COVID. I stepped out to adopt an orphan. You took one away. Now you gave me another one. And now she's in the hospital. I have no idea what's going to happen. My house is flooded. My washer's I mean, on and on and on. I'm like, what is going on? And so we go back to the hospital. The baby, she, she improves. And, and we get ready to come home. And so we, we get her home from the hospital. And, and, and the floor guy called. He said, hey, I'm coming on, on Monday morning. This was Sunday when we got home. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to finish up everything. And so I told my wife, I'm like, hey, I know we just got home from the hospital. I know you're exhausted. I'm exhausted. I've got to get the rest of this floor out. I have one room. And that room was basically behind the laundry room. So you can imagine this washing machine had been leaking for who knows how long. And so I start ripping all the floor out. And I'm mad because it's a bedroom. There's furniture everywhere. I can't move it by myself. And I'm just ripping out piece by piece. And sure enough, man, pitch black. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, My son has been literally living in a bedroom that's full of mold. And the Holy Spirit just, boom, hit me. And I felt him say, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And I'm ripping this floor out. I'm sweating. I'm mad. It smells like mold. It's late at night. I'm exhausted. And I remember having this conversation. I'm like, what's a good thing? There's nothing good about this. And it hit me. And this is, this is what hit me. And I could be wrong, but I, I think I'm right. I felt like the Lord say, in May, when you had that water leak and your house flooded, don't you think I knew about that little girl you were going to get in September? Don't you think I knew about her medical condition? Don't you think I knew about her respiratory system? And don't you think I knew that a house that was filled with mold and water leaking from a washer wasn't going to be a healthy thing for her? I said, yeah. I didn't know that. But I didn't see it. Because I've been deceived by the enemy. Now I look at all of this four months ago. God allowed these things to happen because he knew what was coming. Because he doesn't lie. He's a good, good father. And he's faithful. And it's a good thing because he knows so much more than us. And now I have a new washer. I have a new dishwasher. I have new floors. My house doesn't have mold. And my little girl is thriving in the loving home that she was created to be in. It's a good thing. 
And I don't tell you that story. I know some of you are probably like, bro, I'm so tired of hearing your stories and watching you get all emotional. Like, I'm sorry, right? Like, I don't tell you that story to say, look at me. I tell you that story to say, you might be going through something in your life right now that doesn't seem to be good. And the thing that happens when you do that is the enemy comes in, he deceives you, and he wants you to believe that God is a liar, that he's not who he says he is. And he wants you to be double-minded, he wants you to follow his trap, he wants to entice you, and I'm telling you, what may not seem good is a good thing. It's happening for a reason, there's a purpose behind it. God cannot lie, and it is a good thing. The thing that you're facing is doing something in your life. Just trust God because he can't lie. He's faithful. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I want to read this verse one more time. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. If it ain't good, he ain't done. D-U-N. Everything. Is good. It comes from the Father, even though it doesn't look good sometimes. God cannot lie. I'm going to share this verse and we're going to move on. I promise the second half of this is a lot shorter. Numbers 23, 19. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? God cannot lie. He cannot lie. And this verse leads me to the next thing. God does not change. God does not change. Look at our verse again. Don't be deceived, my dear beloved brothers. Every good, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now, I want to speak on two things right quick. First off is Father of lights. Father of lights. What this means is that God created light. He's the father of light. He spoke creation into existence. He spoke and the sun was created and the moon was created. And when I think about this, this this father who we have, who created everything and he created the sun, I can't help but get this visual of how life works sometimes. Just think about this past week. It was cold and windy and stormy and gloomy and rainy and cloudy. Guess what? The sun does not change. I know some of you are super scientific and smarter than me, and maybe you want to push back on that, and you can. But listen, work with me here. The principle is that the sun is still there, and it doesn't change. And sometimes, like last week, you can't see it, you can't feel it, and you don't even understand what's actually happening because of everything that's weighing in, the clouds, the rain, the storm. Isn't life like that? We go through seasons where it seems like a really long winter, a really long season of darkness, the sun is still there. It's still there. When we go, we rotate every single night in a 24-hour period, and we see the moon, the sun is still there. It hasn't changed. God does not change. And just because you're going through something that doesn't seem fair, and it doesn't seem like God is as good as He says He is, you can trust it, because He doesn't lie, and He does not change. And Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes we can't always see it. It's a good thing. 
It's doing something. The trials that you're facing, the persecution, if you will, the storms, the valleys, the clouds, whatever it is, it's a good thing. But you got to trust that God is a God who doesn't lie. And God is a God who doesn't change. He's the Father of lights. And, and there is no variation. There's no change. And then he goes on to say this, and I'm going to close with verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Well, what does that mean? He brought us forth by the word of truth. You know what the word of truth is? The gospel of Jesus. He brought us forth, meaning the gospel of Jesus. He came, he sent his son to die for us. And what happens is as he brings us forth in the word of truth, dead things come to life. Old things are gone. We are made new. Blind become to see. The deaf become to hear. The old is gone. We are made new in the image of God and we have new life. And here's why he says this, and here's why I'm spending time on this. When you are made new in Christ, when you are brought forth from the word of truth, you are made in the reflection and the nature of who God is because you're covered by his son. And guess what? You don't have to be deceived in believing that God is a liar or that God changes. You're new. You're a new creation. You're a new person. And I can stand firm in the fact that the old is gone and the new is here. I have new life in Jesus. The abundant life that he offers me, he's covered me with his grace. He's forgiven me. He's paid a price that I could never pay on my own. And if we would truly remind ourselves of that every single day and we would understand that in every situation or circumstance, it would keep us from deviating and being deceived into believing that God is a liar or that God changes. God does not lie. God does not change. And when you understand this, we bring our first fruits to Him. This, this term, first fruits, was something that Jane's audience would have known very well. It was a farming term to where the harvest, the very first harvest, would be brought to the Lord. And the principle for us is that we bring our best to God. We bring our first fruit. It's a prioritization. I'm not going to allow a circumstance or a situation or a trial or a storm to take my relationship with Jesus and take him from the top and put him down here because I'm being deceived into believing he's not who he says he is. I'm going to bring my first fruits even when I don't want to, even when I don't feel like it, even when I'm in the middle of a storm, even when I'm doubting him, even when I think he's lying, even when I think he's changed, even when what is happening doesn't seem good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And you've got to trust him in that. You've got to trust him in that. The thing that you're going through is a good thing. And don't be deceived into believing that what is happening goes against God's character. 
It's a good thing. We've been brought forth by the gospel of Jesus so that we can be first fruits of his creation. We're his creatures. We're the, the special kind. We're made in his image as human beings, as children of the king. And so today, as we, as we end, I just want to ask you very, I guess, plainly, directly, what lies are you believing? Because if you believe that God is lying, then that's a lie. What are you being deceived in? Verse 18, as we've been brought forth by the word of truth, we've been made new. It doesn't mean that the enemy is gone. It means that we have victory over him. And so I say that to make sure you didn't hear me say that just because you have a new relationship in Christ, you've been made new because of the saving relationship that he's given you and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, it doesn't mean you're not going to face the deception of the enemy. But it means that you have everything that you need to stand firm against that deception. God does not lie. And God does not change. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. What lies are you believing? What are you being deceived by? Because if you want to follow me, not me, Jesus, if you want to accept that invitation in every aspect of your life, you better stand firm, believing, trusting wholeheartedly, full surrender, that God is who He says He is cares about what you're going through. He loves you. But He has a purpose for what you're facing. And it's a good thing. Church, I'm praying for each of you. Trials are hard. And this is why we have the pillars of our church when we come together and we worship corporately. I'm not here to step on anybody's toes or, or maybe I am, I don't know, whatever the Holy Spirit does. But if you're choosing to sit on the couch and watch an online service by yourself, then you have full capacity to show up and be in a gathering with the bride of Christ. You're missing out. That's one of our pillars of our church. And the second part of being at home, being connected, Allowing someone else to carry your burden. That's what Scripture calls us to do. And I'm telling you right now, believe it if you want. You continue to face trials on your own. The deception will be strong. We're not meant to go through life alone. praying for you. I love each of you guys dearly. I'm honored to be your pastor. I want to help you. I want to connect you with people. 
I want to, I want, I'll walk alongside of you. Pastor Jay, our team, our elders, we have so many things in place. You just got to use them. Got to be the church that God has called us to be. And this is part of it. And so often we want to run away when somebody's struggling and we need to be running to it. But nobody can run to your problem and your trial and your storm and walk you through that if they don't know about it. So it's double-edged. It's, it's two-sided. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And so I want to pray. And we're going to end. I just want you to know. Stand firm. Stand firm. Don't be deceived. God doesn't change. And He doesn't lie. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you don't lie. We thank you that you don't change. God, we thank you that even when it doesn't feel good, doesn't look good, doesn't seem good, nothing about it is good from our perspective, we know that you are working. It's a good thing. God, I pray that you would allow us to, to cover each other, to connect to each other, to encourage each other, to, to grow together, to carry each other's burdens so that we can face these trials together because we know that you're doing something and we'll grow from it and our faith will grow into this, this mature faith that you want us to have, lacking nothing as your word says. God, I pray right now over the person who's been deceived in believing that you didn't send Jesus Christ to pay the price for something they couldn't pay on their own. And that they understand today they're desperate for a savior because they're a sinner because of what we read in Genesis chapter three, they're born into that, that's their nature. And without you, our sin nature is to believe that you are not who you say you are. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, which I pray is happening right now in hearts, we would understand that the enemy is trying to deceive us to keep us away from the greatest relationship ever. We admit that we're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ. And we surrender our life right now over to you. I pray for that person who's making that decision in this moment. So you make you the Lord of my life from this day forward. I surrender. I want to follow you. And we celebrate that. God, we thank you. We love you. We ask that you just allow us to keep our eyes focused on you and to see the things that you see, not what we see. In Jesus' name, we ask all of these things. Amen and amen. Hey, I love you guys. I want to tell you something real quick before we close. October 30th, we're having a fall festival at Venue 757. It's at 10 a.m. We're going to have brunch. We're going to have a costume contest for the kiddos, uh, fifth grade and down. They'll be age-specific, so we'll have different levels for that. Uh, we're going to have tons of candy. We're going to have some giveaways, some games. No preaching, no music. I know some of y'all are like, praise the Lord, we don't got to listen to that long-winded man. It's just going to be a great time of fellowship. So come join us, invite a friend, bring a family member. Uh, let's have a good time together. I hope to see you there, if not before. And so I uh, hope you have a great week. Love you guys. Go Cowboys.